Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. A quick reminder, if you're listening to this right now, rate and review the show five stars on Apple's podcast app. If you want to watch the show, go to YouTube, search my name, Felix Levine, subscribe to my channel. There will be full episodes always there, smaller clips and highlights from those episodes, at Felix.Levine on Instagram. Go follow me there. I post small clips every time I drop an episode, so you want to stay up to date on what is dropping, go to my Instagram, at Felix.Levine. DM me if you have any questions, comments, concerns, all that good stuff. Um, I have my DMs open, so go check that out. And my guest today. He is the founder and CEO of OpenWeb. Please welcome Nadav Shaval. And we're live, Nadav. It's a uh, a real pleasure to have you in studio and to and to meet you. Thank you for uh, taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I told you. Uh, I told you before we got on air. Is there a little something the world doesn't know about Nadav Cheval from uh, you know the talks that are out there or past interviews or whatever it might be? So I think that you know this one thing that no one really knows about me is actually how you know. Obsessive compulsive, I am. Mm. I think people think I am obsessive compulsive, but not the level that like how I actually manage my life. And I think at the point when my wife realized that she pretty much freaked out. Really? <laughs> oh, so she didn't she didn't know this before before you guys got married? She kind of knew, but once she realized how you know how I organize my personal life and the fact that like I literally have like a CRM of my life and she's part of the CRM. She was like, oh my God, what's wrong with you, man? So, <laughs> Interesting. See, I'm a little bit, I'm, well, I'm not a little bit, I'm a lot of bit OCD as well. So we can, let's start there. <laughs> so we can relate. Exactly. So, so talk to me a little bit about your, about your compulsions. <laughs> so it's actually called OCPD and not OCD, which is a sense really? for obsessive personality. Which sounds oh, way worse. Oh, maybe you have something else. <laughs> it sounds way worse. Maybe you got something else, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's more about general habits. Uh, I didn't know I have it until we so hired... So you were, like, diagnosed with it. So that's the thing. So we hired an in-house therapist. Oh. Awesome Shit. thing for the team. We thought it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one time she was like, hey, you, I, we need to speak. <laughs> uh, like, should we speak? What should we speak about? And she's like... <laughs> okay, so let's play this game. So she gave me all these cards, and she's like, I knew, I knew. I said, what is it? You have OCPD. Oh. And I say, is it bad? <laughs> she's, she's like, no, there's some awesome people who got it, but like you just, you definitely have it. Um, so it's just about the way I like organize my life. I have the same habits, so the same workouts, almost the same food. I literally like I eat almost the same food for the past like three years. Wait, <laughs> what's that food? Like it's usually like or Indian food or like Mediterranean food, but usually it's the same specific dish. And if it's a workout, all my trainers hate me. Because I'm like, um, no, no, let's do the same thing we did in the past, like, 200 workouts. And they're like, this is not good for you. I'm like, wait, wait, but wait. this is what I like. So, <laughs> so okay, so so, but when you work out, right, do you get up at the same time every morning? Every morning. What time? 
So I wake up every day. It's like 6 a.m. Okay. I'm like this kind of a boring CEO, all the same spiel. Yeah, yeah, so like yeah. Meditation, yeah. mindfulness, you, you, you know, all, yeah. all this shit. Uh, like, so <laughs> do you do it because you actually like it or you feel I love like, it. Okay, okay. That's good. I, I actually love it. Okay, wait. So, so like, okay, wait, so, so you wake up at 6 a.m. Yeah. And like, what's the first thing you do? Meditate. All right, with my, my cat. With your so cat. <laughs> every day, same thing. So what's, it, so what's your meditation look like? So usually like 15 minutes to 20 minutes, like breathing exercises. Okay. I'll do it for like 15, 20 minutes. And then I will do um, something that I love, which is like write it down. So I will write what I want to achieve from okay. my day. I, I'm using an app called Stoic. It's awesome. Okay. And I'm doing like every day. And then I will do uh, between one hour to one hour, 15 minutes, a workout. Okay. Every day. Wow. Okay, so then, so then, what? It's like six twenty-five, six thirty when you start your workout. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and then you just go, and you always do the same workout, same everything. Yeah, so I have like two bunch of workouts I do. One of them okay. is just like running, and the other one is like Muay Thai, Thai boxing. Okay, lovely. Where where do you do that? Um, usually Muay Thai at my place, running outside. Okay, and then, so then, so then, what are what are the other obsessions that come in later? So that's the weird things. Um, Everything in my life, including everything you can imagine, will be documented. Um, so I, I, I literally have a CRM of my life which documents every person I meet. And I'm not doing it in a weird way, evil way, just more in order to be respectful. Because I want to remember all everybody's birthday. I want to remember what I promised someone. So everything I do, every person I meet, I would categorize by where I met them, um, you know, what did we discuss about. And it's literally everything, including my parents. It's literally everything what? Including my parents. Including your parents. <laughs> wow. So their, I mean, their thing must be pretty long. It point. is. Wait, so where do you write it down? Notion. Oh, see, my friend was telling me about this the other day. Marwan. Uh, shout out to Marwan. We were just talking about him. <laughs> he was telling me about this Notion app, too, where you like, it, you, wow, we're plugging the shit out of Notion. <laughs> where, where you, you like organize part. everything. Oh, so uh, your uh, thing must be crazy. Crazy. Actually, there's one thing. If someone at Notion here is like, it's fucking slow. It takes oh, forever yeah. to load, but like, yeah, but everything is like b b by tags. You should make that better. You should. You should I, I wish if yeah. you can, but it's just yeah. like it's fucking slow. But long story short, okay. I think it's like everything from the way I handle information, my life, planning is like very fanatic to details. Wait, but I'm not I'm not done yet with the with the people because <laughs> that shit's a little crazy, but it's cool. I think it's actually very interesting. So so every person you meet, person. then you then you write something about them in Notion with the tag where I met them. So let's say tomorrow I go back to, to Paris, London, um, every person, usually a tag of what they do, uh, which context we met, okay. and either is the next action item. But do you do that, do you, so you do that right after you meet them? Usually before. Oh, before you meet them, you, yeah. you, you set up the notion and, and usually my assistant will help me set it up and everything okay. around it, but like it's everything from my personal life to, to professional life, because I think it's, like, it's something about general entrepreneurship it's like i generally believe it's all about the relationship with others doesn't matter what you do right, right, and right. if you generally doesn't care about others and if you're not like you know stay loyal to your word it's very hard to catch up and for me if you don't write it down you'll forget it that's a very good point so like what so like what's an example right like you'll you'll meet someone what's like what are some of the notes you'll write down so usually what we high level what we discuss and did I promise something so if you tell me how oh, Nadav, can you help me to do it and if you tell me sure i just you know what Maybe the opposite, the compulsive part is like if I promise you something, not, not because I'm like uber loyal, just coming from that, just like if I tell you something, it will bother me so much that I will always think about it. And for me not to think about it, I write it right down. See, that's smart. Does I that think, make sense? Well, I think it's also pretty admirable because um, 
something that frustrates me on a personal level with some people these days is um is just like empty promises and i feel like uh doing that kind of holds you accountable because like for me personally like you know we're busy whatever so if i tell someone you know i'll meet you next week wednesday at 7 p.m i'm gonna meet you next day wednesday wednesday at 7 p.m i'm gonna block it off but some people might you know forget it or they might not care enough I feel like it's a, as you said, it's a level of respect for someone. Exactly, but also maybe it's on a selfish level. Like, I think we we in these days we handle so many things in our life, professional, personal, right. and it just there's something even about a little bit like lazy about it. Because in my mind, like if I write it down, if it's fully documented with a reminder, with an action item, I know I'm gonna make it happen. Uh, it's very important for me to make sure that if I say something, I actually do that. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So then. So, so how many people do you think are on your in your Notion app? Many, many thousands. Wow. And how often do you like go back and actually every look day. at every day at eight thirty a.m. Wait, wait. But when you when you say I, I go, you go back and look at it like every morning. But like, but like who 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 who's it's it's whoever you're gonna see that day that you're gonna. Uh, usually, I put myself also like stay in touch, and okay. is it like weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually? And okay. if there is a birthday coming, it will. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can't miss the birthdays. Can't miss the birthdays. Oh yeah. yeah. Wait. So, <laughs> so, have you always been like this for at least the past six years? Well, so, what were you like before? So before of it, I would write like I would use different ways to do that, not as that. And I think it's maybe over time, maybe may also OCPD become worse. Oh, <laughs> do you think that work? I, I'm sure like work, the your work triggered it too. No. Or not that, triggered. I, I would say that as a kid, okay. I was definitely very obsessive to details with everything I did in my personal life. Doesn't matter what I did, including food. So always same food, same habits, same that. And and once usually I want to do something, it's not even a habit. It's like it, it's it's funny because for me it's like I don't. If for instance, if I'll start a new habit, it'll be very hard for me to stop it. So if I start meditation, I'm not doing it because I'm, you know, super uber mindful. And just like now, if I don't do it, I feel weird. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Interesting. And for you, like, do you feel? Because for me personally, I feel like, and I, I guess I, I'm not, or at least no one's told me I'm OCPD. I've been told by my therapist that I'm OCD, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but for me, I've never looked at it as like a. Uh, as like a like fault or like a a con, you know what I mean? Because at the same time, I'm happy with where I'm at in life right now. So, and I feel like if I wasn't like that, if I wasn't OCD or oh, doing absolutely. the things, then I wouldn't be where I am. Absolutely. Do you feel that same way? Yeah. Or, but okay, but there's also times you have to feel like it's a hindrance or like a. It just, it's like very one time consuming and like. No, I'll be honest. Like, yeah, I'm. It's time consuming. Exactly. It's definitely time consuming. It's That's one. And and it's like yeah, like sometimes it's like. When you think about so many things at once, you know, it's just like it, it's it's tough, right? Yeah. Like, but for the other hand, yeah, I'm very grateful for all these things. Like, you know, as you know, and I, and this is something actually I did spoke about. Like, as a kid, I was you know always diagnosed with all these letters, like ADHD, dyslexia, oh, wow. da, 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 like all these things, and like, I think it's like all humans got like you know issues and challenges but this is just like what makes us uniques right this is not a bad thing right wait so you were so when you were younger you were diagnosed with all those things well <laughs> i don't know if we have enough time man <laughs> yeah. wait 
Wait, so actually, what did they? So, and you, you grew, well, you grew up in Israel. Yeah, I grew up in like until, until until how old? Um, twenty four. Oh wow! And you're and now you're how old? Thirty. Okay. Oh, so okay. So you've only so you've been here for six years. Yeah. Like literally for six years. Yeah. So, but growing but I'm up, still stuck with the accent. Yeah. What? You speak good English. It's getting better. It speaks great English. Yo, I try. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, but my wife like, is laughing about it, and she's also is she she's running American, okay. but she got just like there. she just speaks so nicely, you know. Oh. <laughs> I was jealous of her. But like, she, how do you speak so nicely? We grew up in Tel Aviv, both of us. How oh. come you're actually so beautiful? And but you but you both you met there. Yeah. And then you moved here. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, wait. I'm still curious though. <laughs> so so you're so you're a young kid, and they tell you you have. ADD, ADHD. A, so ADHD okay. is the first one, but this was kind of obvious. Oh, really? uh, and it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> tell me something new. Uh, and then, How like, was it obvious? Like you were just... Because I was like, my, my mother always told me that I was like the, you know, like the, the energizer kid that was like yeah. always like moving and like jumping and breaking things, and, like getting injured. So it was kind of clear that, you know, maybe I have like some level of ADHD. Okay. Um, but but then I also realized that I'm having like dyslexia because okay. I really couldn't read, um, wow. and I would use like different colors and things to to be able to read. Um, yeah, and and there was another thing on top of it that is a kid that was diagnosed with disease called Kawasaki. I, I heard well, right. I heard you talk about that. And uh, which so when you really think that's about that's like serious, serious. Th- that's serious. This is much more serious. But you know what came out of that is that until today. It's still pretty hard, right, for me to write down with a pencil, because my wow. fine motor skills are slightly still damaged. Not as it was. Um, I did a lot of like you know physiotherapy as a kid, but like, so when you really think about it, when I first started school, I couldn't write, I couldn't read, and I couldn't stay focused for more than two minutes. <laughs> so like, hey, you're a menace. <laughs> so like, <laughs> if you're a teacher, you're like, oh, my fucking god. Well, I wrote, in one of the in one of your talks that I listened to, I think you said something about how you were like the only kid on the computer. Right. Um, Who had had computers in the nineties yeah. was so fucking expensive. Wow. Right. Wow. So, but did you? I mean, did you feel like you were an outcast because of those things? Hmm. Well, yes and no. Like yes, but it was also funny because teachers didn't know what I was doing because it was like okay it's like weird kid back then with the computer like plugged to, to electricity like you yeah. know <laughs> so I would just like you know play Mario do like weird shit yeah <laughs> wow okay interesting and then wait, so so how did your wife only figure out who you actually are recently so she she one time she came to the room and she saw my CRM and she saw some names of like f- mutual friends of us and she's like why are you there? Are you planning a party or what, what are you doing? I was like, oh, no, no, just my CRM. She was like, what do you mean? But we're meeting them tomorrow. Tomorrow is Friday. Why are you putting it there? Because we're meeting them tomorrow, so I need to update that. <laughs> and she's like, why do you update that? Well, what do you have there? And I'm like, everything. everything. Like, your, your, your parents are there. I was like, Every, you're there. And she looked oh. at me in a moment like, oh, I'm tough. <laughs> and this was, this was how long ago? <laughs> like three years ago. Wow. And so I, I, so is her is her notion section pretty long? I try not to update it since she she's found it out because oh. I don't want her to. Do you keep out. a lock on your notion? You have to know. Mm, I could put a computer. Yeah, yeah, I do. Because that gets dangerous. I put it on my computer, not on, on my notion. But I I don't try like to write like, it's more like. I don't mind it to show to you because it's more about like so. Let's say 
you know, tomorrow I, I made this like, you know, great person and we discuss about, you know, doing something together, whatever. And, and then we'll discuss, okay, so let, let's touch base in, in a month and this, talk about this and this thing. So like, well, then, okay, talk with this guy about this and these things. It's like, yeah. Wow. Interesting. Because I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's like, yes, it's coming from a really good I, place. But I do think, <laughs> I think some people might be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, it's a bit freaking. <laughs> not, I mean, you're the first, you're definitely the first person that told me that. But at the same time, I do think it's a smart concept. And it, and I do think that there's a lot of benefits to it. Right? 100%. It, again, I also think there's something about, I always say, like, you know, the opposite of forgetting is writing. And when you write something right. down, right. you don't need to keep thinking about it. Because one of the issues yeah. why I write it down, because I'm selfish. Because I don't know if I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I would always think about it. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, okay, so talk to me about open web, obviously. Um, of course. And if you don't mind, just kind of explaining for people out there that aren't familiar with what you guys do um, so they can get familiar, familiarized. It. Exactly. So I think it's pretty simple. Like, one, the name open web is actually a term. Right. So open web is the name. Open web, it means like basically anti-walled anti garden. So we want to create the platform for the open web, for the open internet. So we want to empower everything which is not like basically, you know, Facebook, Google, and Amazon, if it makes sense. We want to give them the tools to bring back the audience from social media to their sites, to their apps, to build you know, great communities. But we mostly focus about improving online conversations. Okay. Because we truly think that in the past like, few years, online conversations became you know, pretty toxic and pretty bad. There's a lot of like, racism and hate speech out there. So we just think there is a better way to you know, build online communities. And we think that by leveraging like great technology, we might be able to solve some of it. So how okay, so how's it how's it true? Like how's it work? So we, we work with, you know, some of the biggest media houses, publishers, brands in the world. You know, they have like massive, massive sites with like, you know, hundreds of millions of users. They implement our technology and by What's that an example of one that So so let's say like Yahoo. Okay. So you know, you, you go on Yahoo uh, we build their community. We help them to bring back the users from, you know, social media to their sites, and we help them to keep healthy online conversation happening on their websites, on their apps. So, if you want to talk right now about like Tesla, Yahoo Finance, we can help you to do it as a user. If you want to talk about technology on TechCrunch, we help you to do that. So, uh, you know, almost every legit media house you do think of out there, we mostly work with them. Um, and so when they come to or so, so when you say like you want to have, you know, better, I guess, healthier conversations, right. if you will, um, what are some of the and I mean, I read some of this, but just to hear you kind of talk about it so people can understand better. Um, what are some of the ways in which you guys like mediate those conversations and create the healthier, like less toxic, less hateful um, kind of conversation? So. The concept is kind of simple. Okay. It is very complicated, but right, not really yeah. simple. So we, we try to take the approach. We call like the carrot, and you know, like the, the, the stick and the carrot. So like, for the one hand, we remove the bad shit. So right. this is like all the ML algorithms when we try to detect like pattern of behavior. Is it like spam, hate speech, racism, like everything to the level of like, is it like white supremacy? Like, what is happening so in the just content? Different scopes of like. Of like hate yeah. speech, racism. There is okay. so many. You, you'll okay. be surprised right. of how many levels of like right. you know toxicity there's out there. Okay. And then you have the good things. How do I incentivize someone to be slightly more thoughtful? 
can we create like a positive reinforcement? Because I believe that most people are good. Right. It's all about the context, right? One of the issues we're seeing on social media, specifically, I think, on Facebook, there is something about, you know, uber personalization when you only see what you want to see. If you really think about any challenge from politics, climate change, when you only see what you love to see, mm-hmm. you are kind of creating a small, sorry for the language, echo chamber. Mm. And this is a real problem for society. And, and it's not about like, you know, politics, it's like in, in general, I don't think it's a healthy thing for society for people just to see what they love to see right. in such a close ecosystem. So what we are coming and saying, we believe in diversity of the internet. We believe in like you know freedom of information. We want to empower you know the, some of you know the other guys out there. And it doesn't matter if they have like a massive, massive audience or like smaller ones. We would love to help them to have their own communities and be able to create like meaningful interactions between users without getting people to to feel that you know they need to sacrifice their own beliefs because they're free to speak up. So. But open web in itself is more of a how would you describe it more of a service or more of because it's a, a platform. I mean, how do you? Yeah. So open web is a community platform. Okay. Eventually, like we're literally allowing to create community on every content idea you can imagine. So like okay. we have communities about like sport, music, technology, finance, like f- f- everything you can really imagine, which is like legit content. We're gonna create community around it. Okay. And but how, so how is that different from like a, a Reddit? For example, so this is the thing. Like Reddit is their own like small community of right. actual Reddit. We go to the rest of the internet, which is not social media, and we help them to get, build community on their assets. Gotcha. Right. So Reddit is a social network, right. which, from my point of view, by the way, it's much more diverse than some of the other ones. So I actually like Reddit a lot, and yeah. I think they, they do a lot of great things, and they really try to make better and more meaningful interaction between users. Now we say. The rest of the open web is massive. Right. According to Comscore, like the size, the scale of the open internet is humongous. It's massive. It's much bigger than social media altogether. Right. So what about you know the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times of the world? What about like ESPN and, and Yahoo and TechCrunch and Refinery29 and, and Vice? And like, what about all these like, great content creators? Right. Can we really connect the, you know, some of the brands, some of the, you know, the journalists as well? with the audience and let them have like much more meaningful and thoughtful conversations. So what is your, like, what is you guys is, um, I guess, ben- or metric of like measuring if a conversation is healthy, if you guys are doing your job in, oh, it's a great question. in, in creating that healthy it's a conversation. Great question. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> actually, if you look at, at our, like the way we, we kind of, you know, analyze the conversations, yeah. we look at more than 20 different KPIs. Uh, so it looked What's like- What's a KPI? Uh, um, like a metric. Okay. So like. Oh, it's a literal metric. Yeah. So okay. like we, we measure so many different metrics uh, to to measure like the what we call civility score or, or stuff like or safety score. So one of the things that we measure is a safety score, and the safety score is basically um, we measure the al- algorithm that we we produce, like the quali- So let's say that um, our algorithm approved uh, one thousand messages. Okay. Okay we will compare how many of them afterwards will be reported by users mm. as toxic. So we measure the automation in compared to user-generated reporting, like crowdsource almost. Okay. So just like one idea, for example. So we actually, we really hold ourselves accountable. We're very like, 
you know, transparent about it. You can see it on our website. If you go to like openweb.com, we have a lot of like research and a lot of case study around it because we actually want to be very open about it. Like it's very hard to improve online conversations. Right. It's a huge topic. Right. And I think that all of us in the past like two years, especially in the past like one year, we saw it online. Yeah. Like the internet became like super toxic. So in order to try to make people to be more respectful to each other and more civil, there is so much we should do and, and algorithms are not perfect. You know, we are not perfect. We have a lot to improve upon. Mm -hmm. We have a lot to do. But to be honest, given our scale, today we have more than 100 million users a month. Wow. I think... So, so when you say 100 million users a month, what yeah. is that? And that's through all the... All our partners. Okay. So if you aggregate it together, all our partners in, in, you know, in the US... And how many partners do you know off the top of your head? Or your so we have more than 1,000 top tier partners. Wow. Okay. A uh, vast majority of them are in the US. And to be honest, I'm very proud of what the team did mm -hmm. in the past, like, you know, 12 months. Like, we've never been so busy because, especially during the pandemic, people, you know, stayed home and they want to engage with others. And mm -hmm. when I look at, like, Twitter and Facebook and everything was so, like, overwhelming. It was just like, oh, it's so, like, people are just bam, bam, bam. So the team was trying to build new type of algorithms to detect negative discussions and... You know, they did so many beautiful things. And I'm just like, for me, it's exciting. It's a big mission. It's not easy, but it's definitely fulfilling. So, okay, but so I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Let's go. <laughs> Don't you think that obviously hate, there's a difference between like hate speech and negative conversation. Right. right. Um, like if something is blatantly racist, it should not be there. If something is, if someone like calls someone out on the internet, like, you know, like as it happens with celebrities, they might call another celebrity out, whatever it is. Um... <laughs> That could be that could be under like the negative category, or it could bring out a negative something. I know? hear you. Not so like I'm not saying that opinion. Like I think all all opinions almost met. Like we want people to speak out loud, but we don't. It just doesn't have to be toxic to others. Right. Okay. Like your opinion is more than welcome, but me or other users doesn't have to feel bad because like you don't have to attack us okay so like don't attack a minority don't attack a group like you know don't be racist don't don't you know, like it doesn't have to be personal you know what i mean like yes we don't have to agree and actually i think that debates are critical for online conversation for society at all so like we actually very much encourage you know these type of conversations online but we just want to make sure it's not becoming bad now how do you guys so and so that's where like the kind of the that measurement or that metric comes in of exactly. like okay so so then how do you um still though i, I uh, love the questions by the way th thank you uh how do you still though find that fine line of uh of censorship right especially in this country like that i, I mean especially over the last oh, god knows however many years yeah. censorship is like a legitimate issue um and i think that there's a lot of people that um, you know get very dissuaded from using a platform if they know that you're going to be censored. One hundred percent. How do you how do you guys work on that problem? It's so this is a great one. It's all about context. Okay. okay. The art. So we are not taking any side. Who we are we to make a decide? We don't. Right. So it's all about the context. There are a few things that you and I might say here. But necessarily, we'll set them in the office, or we might not set them in a bar, or the opposite. So we try to be very cautious of the context of these conversations. 
we do not want to limit only discourse. The opposite. We want to encourage people to speak more because we think it's a great thing to share ideas and right. to be open about debates. This is a beautiful thing for society as a whole. But we just want to make sure that people are not attacking each other while doing it. So um, we try to understand what is the context of the conversation. There are things that you might say on a sports side necessarily, you know, if it's a kid's website, for instance. Mm -hmm. So it's more about the context and the environment, okay. right? And another thing, you know, we work with the content creators. So we also try to work with them to understand, you know, the, the context of the environment and they help us to define kind of the policy and, you know, how we should handle things. And so, so when did you start OpenWeb? I started OpenWeb in 2012. Wow. But you had, but you were working on other things as well, right? Over time? So, yeah. So, so we Many actually things. had like a bunch of spin-offs. Like we did not start from where we are right now at all. We started from like a consumer dating app. Uh, <laughs> and where'd that go? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos. It was bad. So, so we started from that. Um, we said we wanted to connect people and want to like, you know, empower women. So it, it was nice, but I really didn't like the, you know, all the dating industry. It felt to me a bit like, I don't know. It's like, it wasn't for me. So, so we started with that. So you're 21 at that point, right? When yeah. you started that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we started that. Okay. When you say we. So, so myself and my co-founder. Okay. So like we started that. And you guys always have been working together. Yeah. Okay. So, so we started that. Didn't work very well. And we say, okay, maybe we should build communities for events, for parties. Maybe we want to connect with your friends around events. Right. We tried that. Massive failure. Uh, huge moderation issue. Uh, didn't work very well. And then we're like, oh, yeah, shit. We don't have a lot of money in the bank. What do we do? Uh, we know how to build communities, but it doesn't go very well. Yeah. And, and then I started to speak with a bunch of people, and someone told me, you know, what about the media industry? They, they're having some issues with, you know, social media because they produce the content, but then some for some reason they almost, like, export their best users to social media. So people go to New York Times, read about it, and then they go back to Facebook to speak about it. And I was like... Why would you do that? It doesn't yeah. make sense. Like they should own the users. They should have the relationship with the users. And you know, and, and I came here, I, I in like I spoke with like 20 media executives. They told me what's their issues. And I was lucky enough to be in the right place with the right people. And and it happened. And now we're just gonna take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in US Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods. Raise the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. And so... And so then when you came here, so you came here, what, 2015? 
Yeah, something like that. 2015. Yeah. So you have those conversations. Yeah. Um, and then you and your co-founder. But so Open Web was like a thing that you guys had kind of like on the side as well had been working on and then just really went full time. So we, we always did it full time. Okay, it was always full time. We just the beginning failed too many times. <laughs> okay. What was the biggest thing you learned from those early failures? Be a better listener. Mm. You yeah. thought you knew everything? 100%. Really? I think as a young entrepreneur, I was like, oh, this is easy, you know, let's just like, you know, build this thing and their things and the use will come. And then you launch it and you look at the, at the data and the analytics and you're like, mm, yeah. they're not coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and it's very painful. Like to launch, any, like to, to build a technology, to build a product, it takes a lot of time. And, and people that build technology understand it. it's, it's like it's a cycle. It's developer cycles. You know, you go through ideation and processing and you do the user testing. It's a lot of work, right? And you put so much effort and so much into that. And like, you know, when you fail once, you're like, oh, my God. When you fail twice, like, oh, my God. When you fail three times, yeah. you're like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. Right? And, and then you start like, okay, m maybe I'm part of the issue. Maybe I should change the way that, you know, I lead, the way that I build things. And and I think it took me some time until I realized it's like, you know, it takes more than, more than some people think to build a great company. I think it's all about, like, first and foremost, you got to be a great, not only team player as, as a leader, but a great fucking listener, a great fucking listener. When did you when did you learn that lesson? Was there a specific moment? I think around two thousand like fifteen ish, when it was a moment when like you know we didn't have a lot of money in the back back then, and it was like okay we gotta find a way to make it work. Like we gotta find a way to make it work. So we like we were thinking so much, and you know some of the employees brought ideas, people brought ideas, and I was like, whatever we do. I want to make sure we're doing it right. Mm. We cannot fail again. So I, I think it's really, you know, it taught me a lot of things about, you know, how to, you know, listen to the market, listen to the team, and, and in general, you know, don't be the loudest voice in the room. Mm -hmm. And so how many people are on the team now? Today we're around like 130, 140, wow. something like that. I, I believe by the end of the year will be like, 200 people plus, something like that. And that is all New York based? So it's between our Tel Aviv office and the New York office. Okay. Yeah. And how have you seen, um, are, I mean, are some of the issues or similar or different, um, you know, in the Tel Aviv market or that side of the world comparatively to, to over here? Is it similar? Is it vastly different? It's, in some things, it's, you know, it's the same. In some different ways, it's very different. So like, by design, uh, our Tel Aviv office is mostly focused on the engineering side, yeah. on the product side, and the data side. And here in New York is the more like you know marketing, business development, account management, and some of the operation. Um, yeah, but it's. I think it's in the end of the day, you know, different small challenges between different cultures. But in the end of the day, I think it if you. You have a good mission, mm -hmm. and you hire a great people. All the rest will follow. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end we have different issues, and we've been through so many different cultural tensions between the countries. And you know, right. 2020 was such a complicated year everywhere, right? We've yeah. all been stuck home all over the world. But it was beautiful to see how both teams were supporting each other and helping, even though sometimes they didn't know how to. 
did you feel like because I could also imagine though that you know obviously 2020 was terrible for everyone but in a lot of ways though for something like what you're in it's probably a very interesting time because user engagement online was at an all-time high say the least yeah I mean like did that change things for you or did you guys did that help you know, yeah, so it, it, uh, so I think on, on a commercial side, it definitely accelerated the company, like no right. doubt about it. Like we we we, we grew a lot. Um, I think it's. By the way, we we, we did a massive re rebranding, like a few weeks before basically the pandemic. So like it was all so crazy, like to change the name of the company, to change like everything about how you do things. I think it put one everything in perspective. But secondly, it just helped all of us to really understand improving online conversations. It's something that we all want to wake up in the morning and to do more than anything else. And I'm not saying, like, you know, we obviously we care about, you know, the commercial, you know, metrics and the revenue, all these things. But like, we're not a nonprofit. We're not trying to say we are. But like, I truly believe that what we do is important. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear because. When people again are, are stuck at home and like you, you, you know, you, you saw some of the horrible things that happened in 2020 to society, right. you kind of realize the effect of social media on on all of us, and it was yeah. Do you think it was big? I think everyone agrees that it's important, and that obviously would be amazing to get to that point where you wake up in the morning and you read, you know, and there's a, a more positive uh, internet landscape. Do you think it's realistic obviously if I wouldn't think it's realistic I wouldn't do what I right. do right, right. Um, but <coughs> for the other hand I'm optimistic in my nature right. <laughs> um, yeah I do think it's realistic and I think it's not just about technology I, I think it's about combination of you know what we call a crowdsource right. like like Wikipedia model like getting some of the best users to be part of it and help there's some level of curation with content and discussion as well. In the end of the day, community is driven by people, not by mach machines. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I absolutely think it's, it's would it be 100% perfect? No. Right. Would it be way fucking better? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Now for you on a day to day, other than the, the, the meditation and the, <laughs> what is your, work wise, um, what, are you, what, are you, what are your responsibilities as CEO? I have only one job, help the team to achieve their things, right? Like I'm trying to, and I think it's another thing to realize, changing from being an entrepreneur to being a CEO, I think the main change as entrepreneur, you're like, let's get shit done, let's build things, let's do everything myself. As a CEO, you are like, how do you help all these like talented people to achieve their dreams and their goals? Right. So what's my job is to find the best people you know, make sure they are focusing about the right things and help them to achieve what they want to achieve. Because if you hire the right people and you make sure they are focused about the right, you know, metrics and you build the good culture and people are enjoying to collaborate with each other, great things will follow. So I think it's less about what I do. It's more about making sure that I'm helping them to achieve what they need to achieve. What's like a common thing that some of your team will go to you on a daily basis um, they'll say, hey, Nadav, I need this, or what, what's that conversation look like mostly? So it depends. S it will be a lot, I assume, about, you know, strategy, 
like these days we're thinking a lot about you know there's so many opportunities for us like how do you stay focused what do you don't do right for me it's like very easy to try to build like a million different like products and features and to start like you know you know acquiring companies and do some of this so many great opportunities out there so it's like about what are the priorities? So I think for the team usually would go back to me and say, what is the most important things? And what are the things which we should say no to? And I think like, this is one of the most important jobs of a CEO. Say no to things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do a lot of things and be mediocre at them. Yeah. It's very hard to do less things and be the best. Now for like the raising money side and all that, is that something you particularly enjoy um, or no? Actually, I do. Really? I, I think that... I've heard some CEOs are on like both ends where like, I don't I really like, like it a lot because thing, but. I actually like it a lot because I think that it teaches you so much about what you do and it makes you so much more professional. The outcome is, is obvious because you have more, you know, capital to hire more people and build better products and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But for me, what's exciting about it, it's like almost like going and getting some of the best feedback by professional people, most of them, uh, to tell you how to evaluate what you do as a business. And they, if they are professional enough, and in case they don't invest, they'll tell you how you can do better. Mm. And it's free. Mm. And you end up with, obviously, you know, more capital, which can help you do this, to accelerate the company. So I think, again, it depends. Not all investors are perfect, but some of them are super smart people and I learned so much from them. So like, yeah, I do like to raise money. Is but it's not about just the raising money. It's about m- being savvy and learning about how the outside world is seeing your business and understanding from that how should it, if it, you know, and what could you improve in your company. What is the, the best piece of advice you'd have for like a young entrepreneur who's in that, you know, raising money stage um, that something that you learned over time that, you know, takes experience to, to know? The obvious one, but the most important one is persistent, to be really yeah. honest. Like, There's a fine line, I imagine. I would just say raising money, especially in an early stage, it's not an easy thing. Right. Like getting someone to believe in what you do and is your idea and go like, you know, as for capital, it's a big thing. So I think for me, first and foremost, a lot of persistent. When I started the company, no one wanted to invest. Everybody said, like, who the heck is this crazy kid? And like, go to school, come back, we'll talk. Yeah. Um, persistent is by far the most important thing. But the second one is, you know, be loyal to what you want to do. Don't let investors to shape your strategy. Like, right. be open for feedback. But be very loyal to what you want to do because some of the best ideas, some of the best things, if you look at some of the greatest company in the world, so many investors told them no. But they said loyal to what they want to do and they achieved it. So be open for feedback, but stay very loyal to who you are and what you want to do. Do you ever feel stress from um, those investors? Mm. Lately, less so. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the early days, 100%. Do you feel like the bigger you get, the less? I think the bigger you get, it's just a different game. So I think once you achieve scale, it's a different level of stress. It's just about being more professional, like to make the company more professional and prepare the company to the next phases. Um, but I think it's also more fun because it's a new type of a challenge. So I think at every stage, it's a different challenge. And, and each challenge, is some of them are shittier, some of them are more fun. 
What's your favorite kind of challenge? Uh, scale. I, I think scale, scale is beautiful because there's so many ways to achieve scale. And when I say scale, is basically you know impact is users is like partners is like revenue and like you know I, I think it's just you know intellectually a very interesting game. It's like it's like playing checkmate. And now we're just going to take another quick break because I am super excited to announce that I have once again partnered up with Eat Clean Bro. As many of you longtime listeners know, I've been a fan of and worked with Eat Clean Bro in the past, and they are, in my opinion, the best freshly prepped meal company out there today. If you are someone like myself who perhaps isn't the best cook or has long work days and no desire to put together a meal, but wants to keep a healthy and balanced diet, Eat Clean Bro is absolutely the company for you. They have delicious meals that are also incredibly healthy that include freshly prepped salmon and asparagus, shrimp, spinach, chicken, and a whole lot more. I personally like to top off my meals with their chocolate and peanut butter protein balls that are my absolute favorites. If you want to go to eatcleanbro.com today and use my promo code WTG, you'll receive 10% off of every single order. I'm not kidding when I say I really love this company and use them weekly myself. They help me maintain a steady diet and reduce the stresses and labor of putting together a good tasting healthy meal. Go check out eatcleanbro.com today. Now let's get back into it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would be what would be the like if I told you, do you, do you feel like it's successful right now? Yeah. But like I knowing knowing <laughs> you sitting down with you for forty minutes, that sounds like it's not not it's still not enough for you. So what would be enough in your mind? I don't play to achieve. I'm not putting myself in a place of like okay, if I only achieve that, that's enough. It's not the game. It's like I I want to build things which make good impact on people around me and society in general. I know it sounds like fluffy, but I'm honest. Like, I want to have fun. I want to do big things and I want to make good impact on society. So, like, where do I stop? I don't. Right. Is there... Not But is there a... Uh, is your ultimate goal to sell the company? No. Really? No, we, we already got, like, you know, in, you know, different stages, you know, different inbounds. But, like, it's... I enjoy what I do and I work with some of the most amazing people I ever worked in my life. Right. You know, it's how hard it is to find so many great people to work with you on right. big challenges, right. on such an, you know, important mission. Why would I sell? So you're 30 now though. Yeah. If I told you at like 45, like where you want to be? I want to make a great impact with great people. And I assume... But I mean like, give me like, does that mean, does that mean you guys are at 140 people working for the company now? Does that mean a thousand people are working for the company? No, oh, I assume we're gonna be like you know 20,000 people all over the world, and it's gonna be you know a, a different way how to build a great technology company, which is very transparent to everyone about the numbers, about the agent, which is fair with the way they share the revenues and you know the overall economy, um, and and hopefully the ones actually does good to the internet. Now, for you on a personal level, though, 45-year-old Nadav, what's, where's he at? I, I hope by then I will have a lot of kids. How many you want? Five. Five? It's a lot. That's a lot of fucking, fucking kids. a lot of kids. Shit. I mean, Israeli <laughs> families are usually pretty big, though. <laughs> How many siblings do you have? I have one sister. Oh, but but I have like more than like 40 cousins. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I do want to have a lot of kids. Um, Does your wife feel the same way? Mm. <laughs> she's more like let's start and then let's talk yeah. and I'm like no I want to have five but I always wanted to have five mm. I don't know why why five I don't know you don't know I just like I, I feel like 
That's a lot of kids. It's that guy over there's got a lot of kids. Really? Yeah. I think <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> How many kids you have? Oh, wow. It's impressive. He has a fifth on the way. Yeah, it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a menace um, in another way. It's just but, like, long story short, from my point of view, is like, you know, life is short. I've been through a lot. I'm young, but I've been through a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I'm really into like things in the Judaism. It's called a Kabbalah, and I love the Buddhism, and I love the Hindu. I'm not an expert, but I do try to, you know, consume a lot. And like, I do think a big part of fulfillment is like, you know, having a family, and and a big part of it is like, you know, what you do to others. I think that doing good to others is the most selfish thing a human can do. There's no better f- sense of fulfillment than doing good to others. So mm-hmm. if I can build a great company which is a for-profit and do good, well, you know, raising a family and, you know, you know, hopefully do good to my kids, I think, like, you know, eventually just this is like, this is life, right? Do you feel like you're ready to balance the two? Actually, I'm very afraid of it because really? I'm, like, very, as I mentioned before, obsessive about yeah. things. So, like, Are you going to have a notion for them? I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That'd be a little psychopathic. I'm not gonna lie. That'd be a little strange. But hey, who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, we'll see. Wow. Well, an absolute pleasure to have you uh, on my show and to, to get to know you. And um, so I'm really so excited to uh, well to follow and to see you know where everything goes with Open Web with you. Um, hopefully, your five kids. If your wife agrees. Um, But no, thank you so much again for taking the time. And uh, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me.